0: With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton.
1: It is Monday, November 20th, 2017, season 13, episode number 79. Welcome to another edition of The Break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And today, we've got to talk about that game yesterday. Cowboys lose 37-9 in a game that, in the first half, seemed as though maybe the Cowboys we're doing a lot of things right, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. But then after halftime, the wheels fall off and, uh, and they end up being outscored 30 to nothing in the second half alone. Uh, tough day for the Cowboys and, uh, and looking like a pretty perilous situation for them if playoffs are a part of uh, their goals for this year um let's go around the table and just get some general thoughts of what you saw yesterday and what you're thinking about this team right now nick i'll start with you
2: well i just thought that you know for the second week in a row it just looked like this team didn't make uh any adjustments in the second half and and you know they, they played pretty you know a pretty good first half but you didn't score any any touchdowns obviously the offense is just really a problem um and you know you expect that when you're missing tyron smith and zeke but You know, you you expect the the, the coaching staff to be able to kind of rally the the troops around a little bit more and and scheme them in in position to make more plays, and they haven't done that. So um, I know everyone will probably say similar things, but I thought, you know, coaching staff, I thought, could have done a much better job with this. Let's jump to you, Amber. What what were your thoughts?
3: Well, I'm still trying to figure out, honestly, and this is – It wouldn't make sense me to say I thought it would be worse when you see the score and the turnout have things, you know, obviously turned out for them. But again, I thought the defense at the first in the first half, they did a lot better than I expected. And I'm sure everyone a lot better than what everyone expected without Sean Lee. So they had a chance there again. I don't know how I can't figure out what it is that the offense isn't able to really do. Why can't Dak have a better connection with this receiver when it's not Dak messing up it's the receiver messing up and vice, uh, vice versa and again and he said it last night it's either if the running game is not going the passing game is going if the passing game is going then the running game is not going so they just have to figure out a way to just get better and I don't know how it gets better from here.
4: Dave? Uh, it's certainly not the first time the Cowboys have lost in the Dak Prescott era. It's not the first time they've gotten their butts kicked in the Dak Prescott era, but I think that is really, truly the first time where the Cowboys lost a game, looked bad, and Dak Prescott looked bad. I mean, he's not the only one. There's plenty of blame to go around when you lose by, what was it, 37? 37, 37-9, yeah. By 28 28 points. There's plenty of blame to go around, but... I said on Friday he's going to have to have the best game of his career if they were going to win this game, and I think he had. I know he had the worst. He had the worst game of his career last
1: night. Yeah, no doubt. Statistically, it was the worst game of his uh, career. He was eighteen of 58 percent completion rate, only one hundred and forty-five yards, which a lot of that came at least in that final drive, 60, final two drives, forty to sixty of it came right. when the game was well decided. He had zero touchdowns, three interceptions, quarterback rating of thirty point four. It was not a good day for Dak Prescott. Here's a question I have for you guys. Do you think that it's, at this point, are you willing to concede that it may be just too much to put on his shoulders without Ezekiel Elliott? Or do you still think that yesterday pressure was a major problem for him? He did get sacked four times. It didn't feel to me, just as an observer, it didn't feel to me as though he was getting an inordinate amount of pressure, especially early in the game when the game was more uh, in, you know, kind of in the balance. But do you think that it was the pressure, or do you think that uh, that this offense really is about Ezekiel Elliott and they can't move the ball consistently without him? If you want to make an excuse that somebody wasn't there, that's fine.
4: Tyron Smith is the one because I'm charting it right now. They they ran the ball for 112 yards. They averaged 4.1 yards per carry. Um, I'm in the first half right now. I mean. When the game was close and they weren't moving the ball, they were still averaging four point seven five yards per carry. Like they were running the ball. So yeah, but here's
1: here's, uh, here's a stat I will throw at you. Uh, <laughs> what were they doing on first? Yeah, downs? that's the big th- difference. I'll tell you the yeah. numbers on first down I can tell. when they were running the ball. They were ten of twenty. They were ten for twenty six yards on first down in the first half. In other words, in the early part of the game when the offense needed to be moving the ball and getting points. They weren't doing anything on first down when they ran the ball. That puts them behind the chains. That puts an inordinate amount of pressure on your quarterback.
4: That doesn't put you behind the chains. That puts you not good enough in the chains. Like, second and eight is not behind
1: the chains. Behind the chains is second and 12 because you lost yards. Behind the chains? Off schedule is second and eight. You're off schedule if you're second and eight. If you're getting one, two negative yards on first down. That's great. You are are behind the chains. You are off schedule. That's not ideal.
4: It was good enough. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it you, was good enough for what? It's for them to punt. You're getting good enough production out of your running game that your quarterback should be able to make plays.
1: So, like you're I, telling me if you're averaging, yeah. if yes. you're averaging two yards per carry, you're not on though. first, da- on, oh, first on, downs, on first down. Yes, that's okay. what I'm talking about. That's if great. If you're averaging two points per yard, per carry on first downs, you're telling me that's good enough to be able to move this offense.
4: I'm telling you that if you are averaging. yards per carry over the course of the first half. That's great. If it's second and eight, move the ball again. Like, complete a pass. Don't have your receiver drop the ball. Don't throw a bubble screen that almost hits the dirt, which happened twice in this game. The running game was not good by any stretch of the imagination, not by the Cowboys' standards. They ran for 112 yards as a team against the best run defense in the league. That's more than good enough. That's more than good enough that's honestly wasn't though that's probably what you um, well not probably that might be what you get if if Zeke is in the game. we've seen them do that. We saw them run for a hundred yards as a team against the Cardinals. We saw them run for 107 against the Giants. sometimes you're not going to run for one sixty and your quarterback has to be good enough to pick up the slack and normally you know against the Falcons, you get sacked eight times in the game. There are other factors all things being equal, everything else was good enough at least to score more points than than nine, to at least score some touchdowns. I don't know if you win the game, but I thought the running game was there enough for it to be balanced for your passing game to be there. Quarterback didn't show up. The receivers didn't show up. I don't think you can pin this on not having Ezekiel Elliott, not based on what I saw. I don't care if they were only averaging whatever yards in first down. You they, should
2: care because that that's what starts the drive. Like that, These drives are stalling because, yeah, they're doing some nice things, but then when it gets down to it in the 38-40 yard have, line – let me finish, Dave, just sorry. a second. They get 38-40 yard line, and then it stops. And it like, everything stops right there. And then you do have to – you're right, like Dak needs help. There's no doubt about it. Dak needs help, and he can't do it on his own. We're seeing from last year that who the real MVP is because he can't do this on his own and you know those receivers aren't going to help him like they didn't, they failed their quarterback yeah. last night so I mean it, it, it was it was all in all I, I thought that I, you're right about the average yards, but like when they really needed yards and they really needed to sustain it that they couldn't so I, I just thought all in all they all kind of failed decent numbers overall for the running game, but I thought it was kind of hollow really. 'Cause when they needed to run, they couldn't really get it going. And the passing game was not there. And and don't get me wrong,
4: the receivers were awful. I mean, Terrence Williams batted ball that turns into an interception in the first quarter. That ain't the what? first
1: time we've seen that this year.
4: Des Des, Des volleyball no. player. Des and Dak typical just didn't look like they had their chemistry going. But like like I said, I've like, it sounds like y'all are trying to absolve Dak Prescott of playing like a true horrendous. Oh,
1: absolutely not. That's what it sounds like. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And what I'm, I guess the point that I'm making is I don't think at this point in Dak's career, he's good enough. You said it should be good enough. He's not good enough at this point with the receivers that he has to be able to overcome every situation. I mean, uh, being put consistently in situations where it's second and eight, second and nine, second and 10. I just don't think he's good enough yet to do that. If so that's
4: a little disappointing because I think he is. I mean and he's played like he's has at, he he has played like he's that good before.
1: He has. I, no that, but that I and, don't think that's the case and, because and, when when the second and
4: second and 8, second and 7, what that's okay, is it ideal? No, but is it like he's getting sacked? Is it like they have these awful holding penalties like we saw back in the you know actually during the win streak where they couldn't get out of their own way. If you're a good quarterback, you should be able to convert second and 8. I mean, like, that's not
1: this, like, but, unconquerable mountain. But they didn't. That's my point. Yeah. They didn't. So my point is, okay, so what do you – I'll ask the question then. So what do you blame it on, the fact that they were in those situations and they weren't able to convert? If it wasn't on the fact that the quarterback just couldn't do it, then what was it?
4: Bad quarterback play and bad just, – just a complete no-show by the wide receivers. That's what I put this right. Right.
1: So, so if the running game is doing that, and the quarterback and receivers aren't able to overcome it, you've got a problem, right? So the running game, and again, that's my point about Ezekiel Elliott. When Elliott's in there, you're not getting a lot of those second and eight, second and nine, second and tens. When he's running the ball on first down, the average is much higher on first down. That's the difference, and that's the point I wanted to to kind of illuminate and talk about was is this more about Ezekiel Elliott and what he's able to do particularly on first downs?
2: I, I think that, you know, you- we're sitting here arguing, like, is he important? Like, is is he? Is there a big drop off between Morris and 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 there there is. I mean, I've, we all we all know that. And so, yes, I, I do think that what we were seeing last year, maybe some parts of this year. That you know, Dak's getting a lot more help, and the coverage is much different. I'm sure in the passing game, it's easier to throw the ball to to, to Cole Beasley and Witten and the, and those guys. When when you have to, you know, be worried more about the running game. I mean, the, the 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 real issue is is that there's not a single player on the offense that scares the defense. Not one player are you worried about. This looks like the Carolina Panthers to me right now, like what they what they what they have and. They have an athletic quarterback who at times can be accurate, but at times he can be kind of shaky. His receivers aren't that great. Running game is, I'm talking about this Cowboy team, is kind of suspect. There's times when it can look pretty good. There's times when it can look really bad. Last night was really bad.
3: You know, to me, this is his year, his rookie year in the passing game. Like last year, we didn't really see him throwing the ball far or any of, you know, he would play it safe. They were relying on the running game, but last year the difference was he would play it safe, short passes, Jason Witten, get Cole Beasley more involved. Those guys rely on those guys. This year I feel like he's really experiencing his rookie year in the passing game, and he's not going to be great. I mean, we still need to remember he's a second-year guy, and people are expecting him to ball out and be – Awesome at everything, and it's not like that. He just needs more practice at it and uh, get a better connection with all these receivers who are not helping him at all.
1: Well, you guys at all surprised that in the, it was in their first, uh, I'm sorry, the second series of the game, Cowboys get down to the Philadelphia 27. It's, uh, I'm sorry, second and six from the Philadelphia 23, and that was the play where Dak uh, keeps the ball on a zone read, runs for 11 yards, gets them down um, in to the Philadelphia 12, were you surprised that they didn't go back to that the entire rest of the game? I mean, it was obviously effective. It's obviously a situation where you're trying to create some some semblance of creativity in the offense. Were you surprised they didn't go back to that and use that a little bit more in this game? Yeah, I remember they
4: ran that. I think it was a third and two they ran that, but he let Morris have it, and he just got blown up in the mm-hmm. backfield. Yeah, no, I mean— Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see half of what I thought I'd see in terms of misdirection, getting people on the move. Like they had, you know, they had one play that I vividly remember where they moved the pocket, didn't work out. But like they ran it one time. You didn't see any boots waggles like we talked about last week. Like using the tight ends. Like I know you need to keep the tight ends to help your protection, and for the most part, it seemed like that worked. But how about some how about some delayed screens or some again boot action like we saw so many times last year where the tight end is a late option in the passing game once Dak rolls out like it you when you're not when you're not functioning at full capacity when you don't have the ability to just line up and run when you don't have Ezekiel Elliott uh you'd think there could be some more creativity i didn't see any i mean yep. i and and that sounds like the Cowboys. To be honest with you, you're like we're gonna we're gonna do our thing. We're gonna this is what we're good at. Like, well, you're good at it when you have one of the best running backs in the league. You should probably reconsider your options based on what we got here.
2: And you know they they've made a a valiant effort to try to get Des Bryant the ball like out in the in space. And you know maybe three or four years ago he was beating people like that and he was one on one, but. He's not doing that right now. I mean, I, I don't know if it was just last night, but I haven't seen him really do that all year where, you know, it's just like, my guy's better than your guy. And, and you know, he's getting tackled. He's not breaking those tackles. And he's not really being that dynamic. Um, these 50 50 balls are not 50 50. I mean, that, that that would be a 500, you know, I mean, that would be 50%. He's not catching them. I mean, I thought I it haven't. was
4: so telling that, was it? Was it the first possession after you know after the long kick return, or it was early in the game? No, it was. Yeah, uh, the, the one the, the 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 back shoulder ball was that the first possession that you know arguably you had interference. Oh yeah, was that the first or second possession.
1: I'm trying to remember. I don't remember which
4: possession. It was the second possession of the game. It, they were down seven three. They go back down there. They get to the Philadelphia nine-yard line. Oh, the third and seven. Yeah. Well, and, and whatever the third and seven's one thing. I thought the play before that was even more telling. That Des scored on that ball against Xavier Rhodes last year. They threw it. You know, they love that play. He scored so many touchdowns on that play. And I just thought it seemed really telling that Ronald Darby tackled him by himself. I mean, Ronald Darby's a really good cornerback,
1: mm-hmm. but you expect Des Bryant to break that tackle, and he probably scores if he does. But yeah. At this point, there's really not much you can do about that, right? I mean, the way your team is constructed, Des is the best you got at wide receiver. And what we're seeing right now is that you're getting really not a lot of consistent production from anyone else. It was, I mean, so telling that... You get Jason Witten to catch the ball in the first—I think it was the first offensive play of the game, mm-hmm. seven yards, and they didn't—he didn't get another ball <laughs> the rest of the game. I mean, it's 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 almost crazy to even think about that you got this tight end out here and you didn't find—with like with your offense not even moving, you can't find another way to be able to get him more involved in the
4: offense. And again, I know— I I know without even having watched the tape that they probably kept their tight ends in in an effort to help their offensive line. But that doesn't mean you just have to abandon the concept of them in the passing game.
1: Like, it doesn't make sense to me. You know what I did see a lot of times was when they did have a tight What well they did is they put a tight end on the side of Byron Bell, and he just chipped him on his way out, which was fine. That's all you needed to do was just give him a little bit of help and then go into your route. Like, I, And that's what they didn't do last week. It seemed like they did more of that this week. We'll talk a little bit about Byron Bell, but it seemed like he had a, a much better week than what Chaz Green had last year. Obviously, statistically, he did. Uh, but, I mean, when you think about it, I just don't I, – I don't know how you don't get a guy like Jason Witten more involved in the offense, especially when it's struggling. That's an easy throw, right?
4: It's, yes. al- it's almost like this is like a – these are like just the coaching staff can only make extreme decisions. Like It's like, well – Chaz Green's going to play left tackle for Tyron Smith. And, like, we'll help him a little bit, but not really. We trust him out there. He's on an island just like Tyron is. Well, that didn't work at all. And they didn't really adjust to it during the course of that game. And so they come out here and we're like, well, we're giving the left tackle help. That's what (laughs) we're going to help him on every single play. The tight end's going to be there. The running back's going to be there. We're going to chip him. Just – like there's no there's no malleability to
2: the game planning and you know, it sure doesn't look that way. I mean there's he threw thirty-one passes, seventeen of them went to the rest of the team, and fourteen go to Des. I mean, 14 targets to Des total sixty-three yards.
1: And that would be great if Des was making great plays. Right. Right. That's that's what you see from a number one receiver. You give them a bunch of targets and they make great plays. It's just you're not getting the great plays
2: right now. Yeah, he has he really has no, you know, yards after the catch. What was his average yesterday? Average was seven point nine, but I mean, you know, he, he's not he's not breaking any tackles, he's not doing anything. So did Dez have any egregious drops?
1: One. Uh, I, yeah. I think he had a drop, Terrence had a drop, and Cole had a drop. Well, well, I
4: I know I was gonna say, I mean, Terrence obviously had his bobble and then Cole Beasley dropped the first down. Yeah. I don't remember what down that just it was third. I think it was third down. It was one of Dak's best throws. Just yeah. an utter no show by everybody involved in the Dallas passing game. I mean, I, it was breathtakingly bad. And I'm sure, like, may, you're right. Maybe the, and this is the 26th ranked secondary in the NFL, but maybe the Eagles change it up. Maybe they thought they'd be able to stop the Dallas running game without really over committing to it. Dak said after the game that it really didn't look any different than what he was expecting, which I'll take him at his word. But if that's the case, I mean, forcing that ball to Dez and double coverage on a – I mean, I know it's third down, yeah, but that is. that's why Dak Prescott has been so good. He hasn't done stuff like that. Right. Like, live to fight another day if you have to. Right. It's just it, – it was – everything about that was just incredibly
1: atypical from what we've come to expect. I do wonder if part of that comes from – you know him thinking as we all thought you got to take more of the load without Ezekiel Elliott out there, and and maybe he tried to do a little too much because he felt like in order for the team to win he had to do more in order to do it rather than stay within the offense. Y'all can disagree with me if you want to, and I I mean there's certainly there's certainly validity
4: to your point that the first down running is not as good without Zeke, but I bet if you told them before the game that they were going to run for hundred yards as a team. They, they would feel pretty good about what they'd be able to do.
1: I, I get all that. I, I think, to me, this is the exact same thing that happened to the Cowboys back in 2015, where you had a, a, a rusher who you look at his total numbers and you say, oh, they ran pretty good. But you watch the games— and they were not able to run in situations where they needed to be able to run on first downs, short yardage, like situations where they really needed to be able to run the ball. They were having a hard time running the ball. Yes, they would get some of those hollow yards and they'd break off a big run here or there, 20 yards, 14 yards here. But it was not a consistent thing and they were not able to run in situations where they really needed to. And I again, I'm not saying you're wrong, but the thing that
4: stands out to me is just the miscues in the passing game, not being able to connect with Des on a yep. back shoulder ball, again like two. How easy is it to throw a bubble screen? And like Dez was catching him off the carpet all night. Cole Beasley drops a third of uh, what would have been a third down. Terrence Williams drops what turns into an interception. That uh, who knows how far that drive goes. Just that's what stands out to me as the real failures, right? Not, Especially, like, you go into these games without Ezekiel Elliott thinking, this isn't going to look as good as it would if Zeke was here. That's just a reality that you got to face. But, you know, it's not like Denver, where you're running for .01 yards per carry. Like, if you're getting movement, you're making them respect your ability to run. Alfred Morris had what? A long of, I mean, 20? damn, he had a couple. When he was his longest
1: one? 22? 22. 22? Yeah, yeah, 22
4: yeah. I mean, no, it it certainly isn't as dominant as it looks when Zeke and Tyron are in there, but but I thought it
1: was good enough.
4: and I at think least, at least score a touchdown.
1: yeah, honestly, I think we're saying similar things. I think we're both pointing out two different flaws and who knows which one had more of an effect on the game. I think they were both crippling to the offense. Um, And I I think both of them can't happen together. If one of those things happens and the other is really good, then you're okay. Like, if he's only getting two yards on first down, but the passing game, like he says, doesn't have the miscues, you're probably okay. And the same the other way. If the running game is much better, then you don't have so many opportunities where you're going to have those miscues in the passing game. You just can't have both. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, let's jump into this defense. They played a really, as Amber said, played a really great first half and then the wheels just came off. We'll talk about that when we come right back. This is dallascowboys.com radio.
0: It can be hard to find the right resource for learning about important financial matters. You search how to build savings, you end up reading about the one weird ingredient from supermarkets that can make you taller. That's why Bank of America built bettermoneyhabits.com, a safe little corner of the internet for answering your financial questions. Full of simple videos and tips, Better Money Habits can show you how to make the most of your money without resorting to random searches that always seem to lead to unbelievable photos of childhood stars grown up. To learn more, visit BetterMoneyHabits.com. What does it mean to be a Dallas Cowboys fan? It means you've got the passion and the heart to do your part supporting the boys no matter what. That's why when the game's on the line, you're on your feet, whether you're at home or in the stands. Actually, you're more than a fan. You are a member of Cowboys Nation and so- so is AT and T doing their part to keep you connected to America's team all season long? AT and T is a proud member of Cowboys Nation. Ice cold Dr Pepper and the Dallas Cowboys go way back. They belong together like Texas and football, silver and blue, shotgun formations and Hail Marys. Having a Cowboys football party without Dr Pepper is like having Thanksgiving without the Cowboys. Basically we wouldn't recommend it. So next time you have a tailgate, home gate, or whatever else kind of gate, grab some ice-cold Dr. Pepper for you and your friends to enjoy. It's a Dallas Cowboys tradition. Dr. Pepper, the one you crave.
1: To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. John Deere was first in the Texas fields, and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas-sized deals at myjohndeerdealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See dealer for details. Back! Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Before we jump back into the Cowboys uh, versus Eagles, I do want to uh, throw something out there. We just got uh, some really bad news here this morning. Uh, Former Cowboy and Patriot wide receiver Terry Glenn um, was killed. Apparently last night, died last night at Parkland Memorial Hospital uh, from a motor vehicle accident at about 12.52 uh, a.m. this morning. Um, Glenn was a, I mean, a obviously pretty good receiver for the Cowboys. Uh, probably, I would say the better part of his career was spent in in New England, but was a good receiver for the yeah. Cowboys here for for several years. Uh, no, Nick, you've covered you covered him. Uh, yeah, was a, was a good guy, good good player.
2: Yeah, he, he definitely was was a good player. He's a guy that Parcells brought in, and you know, as a Parcells guy, and you know, ironically, the the um. The famous quote in New England when he said, you know, if they want you to, you know, cook the dinner, you should at least be able to buy the groceries. Well, it was about Terry Glenn. I mean, that was kind of the issue there. I don't know if he really wanted him with the seventh overall pick. As it turned out, he was a really good player for the Patriots and a guy that became a Parcells guy. He brought him in as a trade uh, back in, I think, 2003. Uh, he was a pretty good player there for Quincy Carter on that year that went to the playoffs, and, he, and they paired him up, I, I think, with uh, with a J- Joey Galloway, and, and the, the, they were they were pretty good there for a little while. Um, but you know, he, he was he was still a fast guy, a speed guy. I, I remember being in training camp 2007, and that that year was like, all right, Romo's coming into his own. You know, this this could be Reno you know, T.O. This could be a really good offense, and I remember. Right in front of me, he was like, Man, I heard a pop. Like something, you know, he kinda of limped off. He's like he told the trainer, I heard a pop. I don't know what happened. He didn't play again until the very last game of that season. He missed fifteen games and they played him in the playoffs, you know, on that, that interception Romo thrown in the end zone against the Giants was actually going to Terry Glenn. Yep. Um, might have been the last game he played, I guess, for the Cowboys. But uh didn't talk a lot, you know, it was kind of he was a little bit different guy, you know. He didn't talk uh, much to the media, but a super fast player, really good, really productive, great hands, great hands. Yeah, he had unbelievable hands, and uh, he he really he was he was a dynamic player. But all that being said, that's just about the player. It's really sad about anybody, you yeah. know, in a situation like that. And, sad uh, news. How old was he? Forty three years old.
1: Yeah, yeah. Tough <laughs> news. Really yeah. tough news. It's not sure. funny. I mean, I'm just. I'm, you and I are probably thinking. Yeah, the same well, thing. yeah, that's. We were talking about it yesterday. You start getting up in age, and you start yeah. people around you. You start hearing of deaths of people that are younger than you, and it it certainly uh, has a way of hitting home and and letting you realize how
2: fragile this thing called life really is. So, I'll say one thing about. I remember Keyshawn Johnson talked about Terry Glenn. There are guys that would come in and run four four two eight four three whatever you know. And he's like that's that's all nice and good. But some receivers don't know how to play that way. They don't know how to play fast. You can run fast out on a track somewhere, you know, but not not really when you get on the field with pads on are you playing that way. And Terry Glenn could play. He had aggressive speed. He had speed that you just had to, you know, you had to be, you know, be scared of. And everyone knows my favorite play, the flea flicker, (laughs) the last time they've run it was to Terry Glenn against the Chiefs, 71-yard touchdown, Drew Bledsoe. Terry Glenn. Worked that time. It worked that time. It should work most times. <laughs> they haven't run a flea flicker in 12 years? I don't think so. Wow. I, I really uh, – if they did, it, it kind of got blown up. But right. I was going to say it didn't have a big, no, big net result. I don't result, think they have. I, I, I really don't think – I know they haven't been successful with it.
1: All right. Well, Sad. Uh, thoughts and prayers out to uh, Terry Glenn's family. Um, let's get back to Cowboys versus Eagles. Um, we didn't have a chance to talk about the defense very much in that first segment. Um, yesterday they get zero sacks, they get zero forced fumbles, zero fumble recoveries. Uh, they do have six quarterback hits, um, but you know we talked about it all last week. When you're playing against Carson Wentz, he is a big body guy, and hitting him is not good enough. Taking him down is a is a chore. And there were several times last night when Cowboys defenders got to him, but did not manage to uh, to even get close to getting him down. He'd move around. And before you know it, he was away from them and being able to complete passes downfield. Talk to me about how this defense performed
2: overall. Well, I mean, obviously, without Sean Lee, you know, it, it, it's tough. And and they, they were doing a nice job in the first half, though, like you said. Um, I don't remember exactly when Hitchens went out of the game. I don't. Yeah, and I honestly don't either. I just started
1: noticing that yeah. Jalen was out third there more. Quarter. It was third quarter, and I was like, "Why are they still?" And they got Jalen out there yeah. with Durant. I was like, "Why is that happening?" And then we couldn't find him on the sideline.
2: Yeah, I think I think the, the Eagles made some adjustments. Obviously, they made adjustments, and they they realized where they could they could run the ball and and and. You know, they went in the third quarter. They really just started to, to gash them there. So, um, you know, it was, it was a nice effort for the for the Cowboys in the first half. I thought they were flying around on the ball, and secondary did a nice job. And they got off the field at times there in that second quarter. But uh, you know, ultimately the Eagles kind of realized what how they could they could move it. And you know, it 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 was kind of like the Falcons game. You know, it was just kind of a slow death. But we wake up after sixty minutes, and you're like, dang, that's a blowout.
1: The last time that I'm seeing on here, I'm looking at the uh, the stat sheet. The last time I see a play with Hitchens on it was the third and six from the Dallas eleven touchdown from Carson Wentz to uh, Smith, Torrey Smith. It was eleven yard touchdown, and say uh, the, the it shows Anthony Hitchens as uh, the defender uh, that actually I guess made the tackle in the end zone. But um, but that was be that's the last time I see him on the on the injury report. So maybe it happened on that play. Or a play subsequent to that. But that's about the – and that was at the – what was that? The roughly about midway through the third quarter when they lost him. And he ain't
2: playing this week.
1: Yeah, I saw him oh, last night in the locker room. Way. The way he was walking. If he plays this week, nah. they got some really, really good drugs. Like, There's- he was just walking. Like, the way he was walking, and obviously it's a groin injury. And he was barely kind of shuffling along. It did not look good, and it looked very painful. Dan Bailey's been
4: gone for a month with a groin, and Tyron Smith has been out for two weeks with a groin. I know no two injuries are created equal, but to think somebody can play on three and a half days from that, no way. But my main thing is, and you know, may, I'm, I'm maybe I'm an apologist for the defense in the sense that like I just have a hard time just beating them up, knowing, going in, first of all are not great to begin with and they also don't have their best player. I get it, no excuses, all that, but reminds me a lot of the Rams game in a sense that I mean, they gave you a window to do something. They that and that's about as much as I could ask for. I know in a perfect world they're great all the time and they hold the Eagles to 10 offensive points like they did with the Chiefs, but I mean after the opening touchdown, the Eagles go five plays, four plays, three plays, three plays, three plays, three plays. I mean, that's six possessions in a row where they really didn't move the ball at all. And maybe if your offense is better, it allows you to build a lead, uh, maybe even a double digit lead. Like I said, of course, the way the Eagles move the ball in the second half, maybe it looks a lot like the Rams game and it evaporates, but you at least could have given yourself a puncher's chance. It's missed opportunities, not missed opportunities by the offense, but then Anthony Brown, maybe catch that interception. Maybe, what was that? If <laughs> if you make even a decent effort at intercepting that ball, you might score a touchdown. I mean, you know, you can't assume too much, but it certainly looked like he had the real estate to do it. Just missed opportunity. I mean, you could have gone, you could have gone into halftime. They were up nine seven at half. Yeah, could have gone into halftime up. I mean, at minimum sixteen seven, which is two possessions, or maybe even twenty three. I mean, again, six possessions in a row where you are twelve seven. Oh, because you missed – wait,
1: <laughs> two more field
4: goals. I'm, oh, I'm just oh, not yeah, yeah. expecting well, a no, touchdown yeah, no, well, I mean, that's fair based on what they look like, but you would like to think yeah. as as solid as this offense has been for the majority of the season, uh, you. I mean, six
2: – six Dave, Dave in the background there.
1: Oh, hey, that is – that's my recorder. I was <laughs> yeah. wondering about that. Good job, Dave. Oh, I look like an idiot. Managed to get yourself on TV. That's awesome. As uh, I knew, like
4: I try to stay out from behind <laughs> right? Jerry because when if you behind Jerry, you're gonna wind up on TV.
1: But I just didn't have a choice. And you know, the worst feeling in the world is just you're trying to get into the scrum, and then the worst feeling in the world is to look up all of a sudden and realize, oh, I'm behind. Oh God, I'm gonna be on camera. And then, you know, and and then you got to sit there the whole time like look interested don't look like you're looking at the wrong thing or thinking about the wrong thing just pay attention somebody in the scrum
4: said something that made me laugh last night and i was like that's going to look great on tv like <laughs> i'm just laughing while the owner of the team's talking about how terrible this game is or something right. i don't know right uh, but i mean 6 possessions in a row where one of the best offenses in the league wasn't doing anything you like i said maybe you don't win the game but you'd like to think that you could
1: have made some hay during that stretch in the second quarter yep um anthony hitchens led the team with five tackles last night and uh, obviously now he's going to we we assume he's going to be out on thursday what do they do at this point because i i don't know if it doesn't sound like this is a situation where lee is going to be prepared to come back by thursday um what do they do right now
2: do you do you know that like i I don't know that
1: no it sounded like it was going to be a longer period of time than just this this game but i don't know maybe maybe he is you guys
2: tell me i
4: don't either i just i i don't know um i'm not gonna rule it out here on monday morning before i've had a chance to hear anything but i mean it is a soft tissue injury doesn't seem likely maybe if they were playing sunday he'd have a better
2: chance but he missed two games with with the injury before right yeah two games and i mean he missed really so he's just missed a game and a half here Yeah, it it doesn't really look good, I guess, for that. It's not
1: a good bet to think he'll be ready to go. So what do you do? Do they need
4: to bring
2: in guys,
1: or do they have enough bodies, and then it's just a matter of how do those bodies play?
2: Well, they have played um, without those two guys before, right? Didn't look very good. No, they didn't, actually. (laughs) No, No, Green Bay. The Rams,
4: right? They they didn't have... Hitchens came back for Green Bay, right? and Lee got hurt during the Cardinals
2: game, so they didn't have either for, for the Rams, game, which, you know. Yeah, that doesn't look good. That's not. I, I mean – I mean, good defense obviously shut them down last night or yesterday. Mm. Seven you know, points against Minnesota. Theoretically, they have the bodies,
4: but I don't – like how – okay. I was going to say, how in good conscience can you go into the game with just that? But, like, also, what do you do? You're on a short week right. here. Like – what is somebody who's not here going to do for you right now? I mean, really. Well, you could have McFadden spot.
1: I mean, <laughs>
2: they could have that. I, mean, I they, But they we were need... going
1: there and just – we were going there next
4: day. Well, I mean, so.
2: that, that's a spot that, that, that could be open if they need to go get but a But I,
4: I guess my point is, I mean, unless Luke keekley's coming in, like who's yeah. going to get ready in three and a half days? Yeah, that... I think Luke has a team right now. I know. He, yeah, <laughs> I I'm know. aware of that. Thank you. Yeah, he's um, busy. Navarro Bowman. So
2: he's, he's, still, kind of busy too. he's still out that, he's no? got okay. a busy is there a guy on the practice squad? I don't think they have a I mean, a you, you only now. have 10. You only have 10 spots on your practice squad. You can't have a linebacker? I don't believe they have a linebacker on their practice squad. So that's so you're right. You'd have to go smart. out and find
1: somebody, bring them in, get them acclimated to be able to play on Thursday. that's Durant, Durant, a lot.
2: That's not smart at all when you have a guy that was retired twice, a guy that gets hurt a lot in Sean Lee, a guy that gets hurt pretty often in Anthony Hitchens, and a guy that's really not 100% in Jalen Smith. They have none on their practice. I'm squad. sorry. What do we it?
4: got? Travion Johnson. Oh, 56. He jo- yeah, he joined the team. That's it. Well, like well, that's, that's pretty smart
1: awesome. for, well, at least for them. They, to but have they a got a guy. guy. They that's got crazy. a guy that at least
2: has been here and kind of knows maybe what's. I apologize. Yeah, I apologize. I mean, that would not make sense to have 10 guys on your practice squad and really not have a lot of those positions covered. So I apologize, Travion Johnson. Keith Smith. Eh. Huh? Huh? In an
4: emergency
1: situation, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, done the,
4: they did that earlier this year. They yeah. had him practice there. But I mean, so Jalen, Durant, Justin Marshall, Lillard, Kyle Wilber, uh, maybe Keith Smith. Am I forgetting anybody? Oh, Damian Wilson. I
2: thought you already said him.
4: Okay. Uh, I mean, so I'm assuming
2: I. Chargers only scored 54 yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I, it wasn't all their offense, but which it's a lot of perts. <laughs> is, Unfo- I don't yeah. care who you're playing and under what
4: circumstances, that's a lot of points. In turn, he didn't he didn't I don't know about the impact plays. He didn't have the sack or the near interception, but when Hitchens was still on the field, it sure seemed like Jalen Smith was playing one of his better games. Yep. Like he had a nice thump on a on an out route and he chased I mean the guy got six or seven yards but like he made that type of play where you're like oh this guy's got some range to come across the field and make a tackle and then Anthony went out and the rest is history and I mean that's just the the epitome of this Dallas defense is the like you know I called Chaz Green flex seal like they're just held together by like duct tape and
1: All it takes is one thing, and it just kind of falls apart. crazy part is there's so many guys on the offense and defense that you could afford to lose and still be able to function, and the Cowboys have lost all the other guys, the guys that really you can't function without. Their best (laughs) players seem to be the players that they continuously are losing. And again, that's just the nature of the NFL. Nobody feels sorry for you. It's just what happens in the NFL, and this is one of those years for the Cowboys. Nobody
4: feels sorry for you, and, you know, I'm echo I feel like I'm I'm probably echoing a lot of fans here. I know what a phenomenal player Sean Lee is, and I think Anthony Hitchens is the most underrated player on the team, but it's amazing the difference between how solid they can look with that one guy on the field and how utterly hapless
1: they are. But doesn't that also tell you just how close, how how close fragile between these teams? Like it's just it's not as big a difference as people want to believe. There are two or three teams in this league that are far below everybody else. There are two, three teams that are far above everybody else. Everybody else, that margin is so, so small. You take out a significant player like Sean Lee, and then by the way, take out another significant player like Tyron Smith, and then another significant player like Ezekiel Elliott. And guess what? That's probably what you're going to get is a much different looking team than what you had before.
4: The counter argument, of course, being that the Eagles appear to be humming just fine without Jason Peters and Jordan Hicks, who they lost for the yeah. season yeah. during the course. And, and they lost
1: somebody else too, didn't they? Sprouls. Another really good – Sproles, mm-hmm. that's who
4: it is. Which, you know, and that type of stuff happens. The Cowboys lost Sean Lee in 2014, and Rolando McClain stepped right up in his place. I mean, there's there's big picture stuff you can talk about. I mean, you know – did, did this team really do enough work at linebacker in the offseason to, like, ensure themselves? It doesn't look that way. I mean, the counter argument to that is, is it really fair to expect that not just, I mean, Sean Lee's got his injury history, too, but Sean Lee and Anthony Hitchens both now have been severely laid low by injuries. Jalen Smith hasn't gotten to where they hoped he would be. You could have foreseen a
1: decent amount of this coming, but at some point, it's just a lot of stuff going against here's the other thing to consider too though we you mentioned you know their linebacker the Eagles linebacker is nowhere near being their best defensive player right if they lost Fletcher Cox now we may be talking about a different defense Well, then
2: then maybe that's the problem here I mean I mean how many teams lose their weak side linebacker and then just all hell breaks loose I mean that that's the problem they 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 have that they're too dependent on a guy that's not very dependable and and then you know you're right the the eagles they're they're bad asses up front you know m- making zach martin look bad at times and yeah. travis frederick and those guys like there i mean that's how good he is and the cowboys best player is, is a weak side linebacker and that you can't always yeah. rely on that that has
1: a history of, of injuries yeah
2: yeah so the structure of the defense maybe is not what it needs to be. And I mean obviously they they've tried to get some help there in defensive line and they've made a lot of efforts to, to get some pass rush. And the
1: defensive line is better this year. We've yeah. got to give them credit for that. They didn't get the sacks yesterday. Yeah. But they've as a season as a season has progressed, they've been as good as they've been in a long time along the defensive yeah. front.
4: They have not been the weakness that was going to kill the team that right. everybody thought they would be. I'll give them that.
1: Let's take our final break. We'll come back. We do need to talk a little bit about Darren McFadden. I know Nick's waiting to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> we'll take some time. Not really. Get, we'll take some time to get into that a little bit. When we come back, we'll also get some questions. Call us 214-872-2102 or hit us on Twitter at CowboysBreak. This is the break. Cowboys fans know that the second best of anything simply won't cut it. And your skincare should be no different. A longtime locker room favorite of the players and the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Dallas based Jack Black, is the number one best selling men's skincare brand in the country because we make products that help guys look, smell, and feel better. Visit GetJackBlack.com Cowboys to get ten dollars off your first order of fifty dollars or more. Jack Black look good, smell good, feel good. Official men's skincare
0: brand of the Cowboys. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel, Will McClay, and of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broadus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. I hear all this talk about what it takes to be a cowboy. Everyone's got their ideas, but I just say to myself, it's what's up top that matters. Sure, you need men with the muscle and heart to get her done, but if your scouts and coaches are listening out there, a word of advice. Pick the man with the most well-worn Stetson. That's the one most cut out to be a cowboy. Stetson hats are handy made right here in Texas and have been on Cowboys heads for over 150 years. The rest of you can visit Stetson.com slash Cowboy to find a retailer nearest you. What does it mean to be a Dallas Cowboys fan? It means you've got the passion and the heart to do your part supporting the boys no matter what. That's why when the game's on the line, you're on your feet, whether you're at home or in the stands. Actually, you're more than a fan. You are a member of Cowboys Nation, and so is AT&T, doing their part to keep you Connected to America's team all season long. AT&T is a proud member of Cowboys Nation.
1: Back to the break. Final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Nick, take it away.
2: All right, well, we used this one last week, but it seems relevant as well. I mean, Tommy John, with Tommy John, there's no adjustment needed. Mm. You don't have to adjust anything. You know, that's kind of like a game plan. You just throw it out there. Whatever it is is the way it is, and you don't have to mess with it and think about it. And that's really the problem with this team And um, we've seen the last two weeks. They don't adjust. Well, that's what Tommy John gives you, too, and, and it's better uh, when you're talking about underwear. You don't want to see adjustments. It's uncomfortable for everyone. Tommy John, they've got great material, great fabric. You don't even think you're wearing underwear at all. So shop exclusive cowboys underwear at TommyJohn.com forward slash cowboys for 20% off your first order. You never have to adjust. <laughs> Good for underwear.
4: No, no, Bob. Good for football, bad for underwear. That's what I meant. Adjustments. Is it good for? Fo- oh, oh, I thought yeah. you're saying not adjusting. No. Yes, adjustments are good for football, bad for underwear.
2: I mean, it would be nice to just kind of, you know, those good high school teams that have six plays and they just says, what we do. We're not worried about it. Be nice if you can don't just have to adjust." Can we? You want to talk about McFadden? Yeah, go ahead. If you had another topic, can go ahead. we?
4: Can we talk about that? I mean, and and I agree. I'm not. I'm not trying to defend anybody associated with that game, but you know that's the like that's the big thing is like eh, they didn't make any adjustments and they they didn't and i'm not defending them but like what what could they have adjusted do y'all think like what did they not do that you would have liked to have seen and again like if it sounds like i'm defending them i'm not it really it legitimately perplexes me too cuz I, I sit there and I'm like, well, is there is there an adjustment that they can make that's going to allow them to stop the number four rushing offense in the league from taking advantage of the
1: fact that two of their best players are out? My adjustments would have been offensive. I, I think, think the Cowboys should have yeah. done different things, more things using their quarterback, getting him yeah. moved around. Uh, I think that would have been a better option for them, and it would have, I think, netted them a more production offensively. they got to be more creative when they don't have their best offensive player. or Really, they're two top offensive players. they got to be more creative. They are not good enough to just say, we'll line up with the guys next man up, and we'll just line up and do what we did before. You can't do that. They don't have the ability.
4: There it's is true. There is a fine line. Saying next man up.
1: Yeah, next man up just means he's got to fill the spot. Now, the coaches need to figure out how to get that guy an opportunity because he's not as good as the guy whose place he's taken, or he'd be playing out there every right.
4: Sunday. And it's not a – it's not an indictment of the guy that has to do that right to change the way you're playing, you know, like, sorry, that's just the nature of it. And there's a fine line between having confidence in your guys and to quote Garrett, putting them in the best position to succeed. Like they haven't been putting guys in positions to succeed in my opinion.
1: Yeah. But But I, I,
4: I mean, yeah, I, it's the word adjustment is thrown around so often and, I think it's important to like take a step back and really think about that offensively for sure. I don't know. I don't know what type of
1: adjustments I make to fix this defense mid-game. You know, I, they honestly, in my opinion, I agree with Amber. They they really kind of played above their heads the first half. I mean, and that's why the offense got to be looking at that game, saying we squandered an opportunity because. The defense gave them an opportunity, if they could have gotten things going, to be able to have a lead going into the half so that when the Eagles came out and made their run, which we all knew a run was going to come, when they came out and made their run, maybe you already had enough points to where you could just kind of stave them off and give yourself a chance to win. They didn't take advantage of the opportunity that was presented to them by the defense in the first half.
3: Well, you know, Dave, you asked what kind of adjustment they should have made. I don't know. I... I'm not that far in advance to know what kind of adjustments should have been made. All I do know is that they're not making any. When you see both teams come out in the second half and clearly perform completely different than they did in the first half and being able to kind of keep everything going, that's something that obviously we've seen the Cowboys, they've been struggling with that. And you guys want to talk about the defense, and I see everyone, you know, Talk about defense and not having Sean Lee and not having Anthony Hitchens now. Let's talk about the offense again. Like, if you're not scoring points, you're not going anywhere. And this is just – I'm just upset right now. Uh, I'm trying to filter myself and not kind of go all out. But, again, I was somewhat pleased with what the offensive line was doing. And we didn't get to talk about Byron Bell. You guys – you, Dave, kept talking about that tape. That would help, Byron. You know the the duct tape or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's called Chaz Green. That yeah. Byron Bell did that last night, and he was able to handle that. And again, I don't know what's going on. They, they're we're screwed. Really, t- <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: funny. Really, when you think about it how good this offense was last year, how good this offense has been during most of the time this year, to say in the last two games, again, without Ezekiel Elliott, they have managed a grand total of 16 offensive points and only one touchdown in two games. That, to me, and that's why I opened the show with the question, I think you have to start looking at the fact that Ezekiel Elliott makes that big of a difference for this offense. Until I see otherwise, and you say, can a running back really make that big of a difference? Nick, you talked about it a few weeks ago. We saw this happen a long time ago, back in the '90s, where the Cowboys entered the season without Emmitt Smith, and that offense was a good offense. Yeah. Without Emmitt Smith, they weren't winning. And he came back, and then all of a sudden they go on a run. I think it can happen when you have a
2: great running. Okay, okay, but who cares? I mean, it's over right now. I get he's it. He's not I coming back for a month, so I get it. like you can't worry. I mean, yes, he's great. He's he's. It's you know, we've answered the question about last year. Was it Dak or was it Zeke? Okay, the question's been answered. Is that is Dak better than Wince? Question has been answered. We, we get it now. So now they got to figure out what, like you said earlier, this this offensive coordinator Scott Linehan, and and this team needs to figure out ways to get these guys involved. And it's not just throwing the ball over to Dez and just say be a beast and and, and beat the guy because you're not letting Ronald Darby, you know he what is he five four yeah. and he and you can't you can't make a play on him and then they throw the ball up in the air and he just kind of chucks him out. You know I mean. I'm going to be a big beast. you got to play like
1: one. You know something that's interesting, though? You mentioned Dak versus Wentz, and I think they flipped spots because last year Wentz didn't have the players around him in order for him to be successful. What did the Eagles go out this offseason and do? They went out and surrounded him with a bunch of weapons. You think about what they did, not just in the offseason. Then they get to a couple weeks ago, and they go out and get Jay Ajayi to add to their running game. Like, they have surrounded him with a ton of weapons, and the Cowboys, due to other things, have Ezekiel Elliott's not on the field, Tyron's not on the field. You want to know why their left tackle is working? It's because they got receivers out there who can get open, and as Alshon Jeffrey showed yesterday, even when they're not open, you put a ball in the right spot, he'll get it and score a touchdown.
2: Is that how you say that, Alshon? Alshon. <laughs>
1: I yeah, think it's Alshon. Yeah. with that. That could be a problem there in the press <laughs> box. But that's my point is they, they re, they've surrounded him with enough playmakers to where it's not just about Carson Wentz anymore. He has skill, no doubt about it. But they've gotten some really good players around him. You kind of get
4: the vibe from the coaching staff and the way that they've put this team together. Like, there's definitely a vibe around the Cowboys. I think that that they're the smartest guys in the room. You know, they're like, we get, like, we we got this. Rod Smith is, he's
1: he's good stuff. You're gonna be surprised and, how good this guy is.
4: And yeah, and you're like, well, you know, yeah, yeah we just get get me to that point. Right just, there. but um, but just like we've we've covered, you know. We've covered our bases. We're good. Whereas, meanwhile, like, the Eagles are doing this, like, obvious stuff. And you're like, it almost seems desperate that they're, like, just trying to accrue all of these guys to help Carson Wentz. Well, it turns out you need that stuff. And if your front line option goes down, uh, you know, something Alfred Morris, Rod Smith, Darren McFadden, like, it sounds like. And I mean, it, it sounds logical on the surface, but then you get into the games and and you see that you're mistaken. I mean, that's certainly what it looks like right now. I mean, maybe those moves weren't as smart as they looked four or five months ago. Yeah,
2: I mean, we can get into, I guess, the, the McFadden part there. I mean, people on Twitter were like, Am I okay? But I mean, yeah, I'm fine. I what I don't understand
3: asking you if you were, yeah, you're like, <laughs>
2: Has anyone, anyone heard about him? You know, anyone heard from him? I mean. I talked to McFadden on Friday, or Thursday. He says he's had he's had a pretty good week of practice and he's excited about it. <laughs> the issue is is that the Cowboys keep saying we just got to get back to work. Got to get to work is what Jason always says. Well, if you're practicing a player who's done a nice job and it sounds like he's he is going to, you know he's a part of the game plan and then you don't play him, then then you're he's taking reps away from somebody. I mean. Rod Smith, great story, you know, Jalen's brother, and he, well, this guy surprised you. But really, what has he ever done to, to deserve this this type of opportunity? I mean, he had, I mean, what has he done? He hasn't really done anything. He's getting an opportunity. He hasn't done anything with it in two games so far. And it's just like, I mean, why wouldn't you want to go with a guy that can, that has, he's been proven, and he's been proven like two years ago. Well, you know, he's not like he's 10 years ago. He's been proven. So I don't understand why you practice a guy, you don't play him, you need some kind of spark in the running game, and you're not giving him the shot, and you're giving it to Rod Smith because, maybe because he might have
1: upside. Yeah, But maybe it's because they feel like from what they've seen from Darren McFadden, he doesn't have it anymore, right? Well, then, then, then cut him. Yeah, like, and I, yeah, I get just, your point. Just cut him. But that, my, that's my thing about the running back position. That's why I would have preferred them to have, instead of having two – Old backs who did it back in the day get a little more of a get a young guy in there that at least has spry legs and is hungry and let's see what he can do behind this offensive line that seems to work a lot of times in the NFL you just throw a young guy out there and at least for a game or two he can get you some good production and 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 you're like oh wow where'd this guy come from we saw it happen with the Green Bay Packers earlier this year there's a guy out in Baltimore doing the same thing there's a guy that's some games like that
2: the kid from A and M on the practice squad, Trey Williams? Just, I mean, seriously, at this point, I'd rather have him in the game than and have somebody you know young with 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 fresh legs. I mean, I mean, I just don't know what what's happening with, with McFadden. But but it's one thing just to not practice him. But he practiced more this week. He was doing some things to be involved. And then you know, I just don't think they're telling everything what's going on. I mean does it come down to
4: the difference between winning and losing no, but no, but no but it's it doesn't. it's certainly baffling though like and it doesn't it doesn't make sense i said that last i mean here i was thinking they were keeping him fresh cuz they thought zeke would eventually have to serve this suspension that's clearly not the case yeah. and I why is why is he on the roster if he's inactive in a game where Ezekiel Elliott's suspended? Like it doesn't make sense. It's very bizarre. And,
2: and you want to say, well, you know, maybe two two games in five days. You know, you you play on someone Thursday. They want him to have fresh on Thursday. I mean, that sounded logical too. But I don't really believe it. Uh, yeah, I mean
4: that doesn't make sense. Doesn't. <laughs> I mean, but he got one carry in Atlanta. Am I really supposed to believe he would have suddenly had thirty in this game and then he wouldn't be fresh for the Chargers? I don't think so. We're gonna win the game Thursday, though. I mean, we're just gonna—I'm th- gonna throw that out there right now. I wouldn't be remotely surprised, honestly.
2: I, I basically like what I've learned. Go back from- to Thanksgiving. There's upsets every time on Thanksgiving. I
1: hear you. All the only thing I keep thinking about is they put up fifty yesterday, and now you're telling me the top two linebackers, not just the top one linebacker, the top two linebackers. Are gonna be it's out of the game. Lt running for them. It's certainly not. Good. No, but they got a pretty good runner over there. Like, oh, yeah. And with really the good.
3: how the offense is playing. I mean, I would be watching the game. Oh, cool! The offense is in. Awesome. This is this <laughs> is it. This is it, guys. Okay. Next thing I know, I take a drink. Oh shoot! The offense is coming out. Of Here's what? the defense coming back in the field. Like it was in in and out, in and out.
2: That's you're saying you're drinking up there water <laughs> going to start on a start <laughs> hey, i was about to say hey, it might not be a bad hey, idea to yesterday start yesterday and and i i didn't it didn't affect me at all um but but i did hear like early on like about an hour or two after the game which is still pretty early on um both kegs in the press box. <laughs> like literally. <laughs> Wait, gone?
4: Gone. Like it was like. All I have to look forward to <laughs> after a game like that is the knowledge that I'm going to be able to drink a beer on my way out of the stadium and just kind and of. And they were gone. All gone. Yeah. All gone. And the drinking drinking was happening earlier. Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. They were pounding some brews. Just one of those nights. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah. And I don't, that your point really resonated with me right there, which. Okay. I always knew how much Ezekiel Elliott meant to this offense and like his success and Dak's success went go hand in hand. But I have seen enough really amazingly good play from Dak Prescott that I never would have thought that it would look this bad without Zeke. I mean, I agree. Like I said, I mean, two games in a row now, the running game hasn't been pretty, but it's been there. They've gone
1: over 100 yards in both of their games without Zeke. That's the nature of this offensive line, though. They're good enough for you to get some—you're going to pop a couple plays here and there, right? I've
4: seen seen enough good decision-making, improvisation, and, I mean, great throws. Like, really—I mean, he's an accurate quarterback. He's made some fantastic throws in his career. I'm not saying he's all the way there yet. He's certainly not Aaron Rodgers, but I've seen Dak play well enough, often enough— that I really am surprised by how bad it has looked these last two games, first of which I really have a hard time putting on him. But last night, I mean, I'm looking around for somebody else to blame, and I don't know where else to put it other than to think, man, Ezekiel Elliott really is a valuable, valuable player.
2: You know what's really sad is that it's like third and eight, and at the or third and seven, maybe from the nine, and like where there's a timeout on the field, and like Dave tweets out. I don't really like the back shoulder fade, but I don't see any other play that would really work, you know? And, and you're thinking, okay, well, you know, that's why you don't, you're not paid to do that. These people that are paid six figures to go do that. And they come out and they throw a back shoulder fade to Dez. It goes out of bounds. And it's like, you know, Dave, if you think that, because you don't really see another play and the Eagles probably are like, you know what, what's really going to hurt us here other than a pass to Dez. So let's make sure and stop that. I mean, yeah, that's kind of the sad part is, is that we shouldn't be calling plays like that. How about how about
4: like you know like the NFL is a copycat league? Get that that throwback to Brent Selleck into the playbook. Where's that type of play? You know that and that's the type of thing. I like I, that play. That's the type of thing I expected to see. Yeah, like get your tight ends involved in a like you know maybe you're the third option. Maybe you roll out on a delayed screen after a play action fake or something like you didn't see any of that. The the
1: lower the quality of your players the way more creative you've got to be with what you do with But it. they don't appear to think that. I,
2: they don't. And, and they that's the part to that's think a little that they bit baffling. They
4: can line up and go.
2: Yeah. That's what happened in 2015. The same thing. You just keep banging your head on the wall. And you're like, guess what? You've lost six in a row. Switch it up.
1: All right, thank you guys for joining us. We are back tomorrow. We'll be at our normal time at 9.30. We'll tell you guys. Uh, we'll start getting you ready, actually, because this game's coming up fast. We'll good look at the uh, San Diego Charger offense versus the Cowboys defense. We'll do that tomorrow. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!